So in this week's podcast, I have a little guest joining me. Don't we? Right. So I've got my nine-month-old son here because um, his sisters are all in a lesson and his dad's out of town and we have to get this recording done. So in case you hear any noises in the background, it's him. He's sitting in my lap, but this is the reality of when you do a podcast and you are a mum and you're running out of time. So I'll just let him be a part of the podcast. Maybe when he's a bit older, he can, you know, offer some advice as well. But for now, here he is sitting in my lap. So if you hear him in the background, that's who it is. Okay, let's get started. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. You're listening to Cup of Parenting Podcast. And I'm your host, Aisha, a paediatric speech and language therapist, mum of seven and parenting coach here in the UK. This week, inshallah, we are talking about emotional well-being. What is emotional well-being? Why is it important? And how does it affect your relationship with your husband, your wife, or even your children? Before we get started, don't forget, if you haven't already done so, you can download my free printable PDF planner at www.cupofparenting.com planner. Now, let's explore what emotional well-being actually even means and why we've chosen to talk about this this week so emotional health or emotional well-being or even mental health are all really important aspects of your overall health and well-being so normally when we think about health people often think about their physical health don't they because that's obvious and that's what you can see when you look at people if they're physically well or unwell however mental health is equally if not more important because it can affect your physical health if you're not mentally well and it can affect a number of things. So first of all, when we're talking about emotional health, we're talking about a person's ability to understand, express and manage their emotions in a healthy and constructive way. Okay, so I'm not talking about being happy all the time, but I am talking about being able to recognize when you're feeling happy or joyful and to recognize equally when you're feeling upset or down or you know, anxious and stressed and how you can manage these emotions and what you can do about it. So first of all, the most important thing is to be emotionally aware. So that's obviously being able to recognize your own emotions. So knowing when you're feeling happy or sad or angry or scared and other emotions and also knowing what factors trigger these emotions. So maybe you get anxious in a particular situation maybe you get sad when you have to face a particular situation and that'll then impact on your behavior and how you're feeling for the rest of that day or for the duration of the event another thing about emotional health is being aware of emotional expressions so healthy emotional individuals can express their emotions appropriately now you might think this is really obvious well if you're feeling happy you'll be smiling and joyful well not necessarily now when i work with children when you look at certain disorders, one of the things is that they maybe are not able to express their emotions, especially on their face. So it might not actually be that evident when they're feeling happy. And equally, it could be that, you you know, if you're not a healthy emotional individual, that you might be feeling sad and upset, but you're actually suppressing it. And not just suppressing it, say, for example, your children are there and you don't want them to know you're sad, but actually excessively amplifying this sadness and keeping it inside you 
and then it starts to affect your verbal and non-verbal communication with other people without you realizing. So that's to do with emotional expression. Another part of emotional health is emotional regulation. So this means when you can regulate and manage emotions. So when you are feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed, what are the strategies that you use to make sure that you're not hurting yourself and you're not impacting and hurting other people as well? And effective emotional regulation can prevent emotional outbursts or, you know, internalizing these emotions to such an extent that it becomes really unhealthy. Another aspect of emotional health is resilience. If you're an emotionally healthy individual, it means you're more resilient. So when something bad happens, when you're in the face of adversity, you can bounce back. Okay, you can manage the stress. It doesn't mean that you never ever feel sad or upset. It just means that you can manage it and you can manage the stress and you can adapt to life's challenges and you're resilient because you know you have the belief and you have the ability and the skill set to be able to come back stronger and come back in a more healthy way so if you need to take time out you would take time out but you're resilient to it okay you don't let it get you down permanently another aspect of emotional health is having positive relationships so healthy emotional individuals do tend to have better relationship with others so these could this could be your husband your wife the people you work with, your family, your friends, and especially your children. It means you can empathize with other people's emotions and engage in healthy communication and build strong and supportive connections with them. Another aspect is self-esteem and self-worth. So emotional health is very, very closely tied to a person's self-esteem and self-worth. So, you know, if you have good emotional health, usually you have a positive self-image. And I know this is something that a lot of people are conscious about, especially women, especially young girls, especially teenagers. But, you know, if you have a good emotional health and you do have good or high self-esteem, means you're positive and you feel good about yourself, about how you look, and you have an air of self-confidence about you as well. So you don't let um, these things get you down necessarily. Another aspect of emotional health is self-care. So obviously things to look after your body, things, you know, what you eat, your exercise, your physical health, and things like taking the time out to pray, to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So self-care involves things like emotional well-being promotion. So you're doing things like exercise, so you feel good and you look good and you feel healthy and it's good for your body you're also engaging in things which are relaxing and you might even pursue things like hobbies in which you take time out from the daily stresses of work or children to just do something just to look after yourself as self-care as some time out as some mindfulness so it might be painting it might be art it might be whatever whatever you like to do reading whatever you like to do and I know this again can be hard when you have a busy lifestyle but it's something to be really important to take really importantly and it's something to maybe look to do if you don't do it. Another aspect is seeking help when needed. So if your emotional health is suffering recognize that you need support and seek help. This is a sign of having a good emotional health because it might just be something like you talking to people that you trust, your friends, your family, a mental health professional, when you are facing emotional challenges or mental health issues and I know again the stigma in society around mental health in certain cultures there's still a stigma today you know I've seen people that they clearly have 
disorders where family will say that you know that they'll just brush it over as, as being generically that person's unwell rather than specifying that this is what the issue is and this is how we can support them or that they need to go out and seek help for it okay and sometimes society makes this harder and especially harder for women and especially harder in certain cultures so it's very very important to not only be aware but also go out and seek help another sign of emotional health is balancing emotions as i said it's not about feeling happy all the time but having a balanced range of emotions is obviously very very normal to feel sad, to feel angry sometimes, to feel scared sometimes, but you shouldn't let these be emotions become dominant and you shouldn't let them become magnified to such an extent that they're having a negative impact on your life in the long term. Another aspect of emotional health involves the development of healthy coping skills to deal with life's up and downs, okay? These skills can include problem solving, emotional expression and seeking help when necessary. So, if you've got a healthy emotional development going on, it means that you do have coping skills. So when things aren't going well, you will be able to cope with them. So another thing is an emotional, having a strong emotional relationship with your partner. This is when you have a deep and meaningful connection that goes beyond physical attraction or surface level interactions. Okay, so not just the usual husband-wife relationship, but... When you have a really strong bond built on shared feelings, um, on trust, on intimacy, and you genuinely understand each other's emotions on a deeper level, here are some key aspects of that. So first of all, communication. Okay, you've got effective and open communication at the heart of a strong emotional connection. So first of all, you have communication. So effective and open communication is at the heart of a strong emotional connection. Both partners should feel comfortable discussing their thoughts, their feelings and their concerns with each other. Okay, and this means doing active listening, not just sort of surface level listening or passive listening. It means when you stop and drop everything to really listen to each other and it shows you value and respect each other's perspective as well. So it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to agree with them, but at least give them that time and that chance to talk and at least understand their perspective. Another one is empathy. This means when you understand and share in your partner's emotional experiences. It means you can walk in their shoes, so to speak. Offer support and comfort when needed. Um, and you can have empathetic gestures. So things like, you know, offering them time to listen to them or comforting hug or whatever it is that they need. And I strongly recommend you read um, the book about the love languages because everybody has a different long love language some people's is touch some people's is talking and this is really important for partners to recognize in each other and this is really healthy because if you have like I said a healthy emotional uh, you're emotionally healthy and you have good emotional well-being then it does affect on your relationships with everyone as well as your physical health as well another aspect of having a healthy emotional relationship with your partner is having trust Trust is the foundation of any healthy relationship, okay? So you have to have a high level of trust between partners, trusting that that person's going to be there for you when you need them, when you're upset in times of need, okay? And when I say trust, it means trust that they've got your best interest, you've got their best interest at heart, and you have a level of emotional security as well. Another aspect of having a healthy emotional relationship with your partner is vulnerability, Emotional intimacy often grows when you can both be vulnerable with each other. 
This means sharing your thoughts, your fears, your insecurities. When both partners are open and honest, it can actually deepen the emotional connection. And sometimes you do need to be vulnerable and have those deep, honest conversations with each other. Another one with respect to emotional relationship with your partner is shared experiences. So when you have a history of shared experiences and memories, this also strengthens the emotional partner. So how can you create this? So things like traveling together, pursuing hobbies together. You should have hobbies separately as well. It might not mean that you're necessarily interested in their hobbies, but it might be that there's something that you do together or going out together from time to time. And when you go through life's ups and downs, you do it together as a team, okay? And when you have shared experiences, it creates a sense of togetherness between you. Another one is conflict resolution. And this has, again, a really important impact on your emotional relationship because you are definitely going to have some conflicts throughout your marriage. You're definitely going to have some disagreements. But as long as you're respectful when you communicate with each other, as long as you can both offer a level of flexibility and compromise rather than go into destructive behavior like, you know, blaming each other or avoiding the situation entirely till it becomes so massive, then that's also a sign of emotional well-being. Another one is affection, which I've already mentioned. This is really important part of emotional intimacy as well because it reinforces the emotional connection between husband and wife. Another one is independence and support so you know respecting each other's individuality and personal interests but but also supporting each other's goals as well so this also enhances the emotional health another one is spending quality time with each other this is also extremely important for nurturing emotional intimacy so just being present with each other without the distraction i mean without even distraction of your children there your work there, your mobile phones there, switch everything off, take yourself somewhere else if you can, or even just in a space in your house where, you know, there's maybe when um, the children aren't around, just so you can have those conversations because you do need that to quality time in order to strengthen your relationship so that you can be stronger as a couple and stronger as an individual in order to be the best version of yourself. Another aspect is appreciation for each other. So expressing gratitude and appreciation for each other. Let them know, let each other know that you value them for the efforts that they're making, you know, for you, for your children. And you should do this to each other, not just one-sided. And finally, future planning. So discussing your shared goals, your dreams and plans for the future. This can help you both feel more emotionally connected as you work towards common objectives as well. So if you're able to do this, that's really good. Another one is future planning. So discussing your shared goals, dreams and plans for the future can help you both feel more emotionally connected as you work towards common objectives, okay? And obviously these are effortful things that are going to require not only effort, but also attention and not only from one person, but from both people um, ongoing. Okay, and it's normal for emotions to go up, for emotions to come down and to, like I said, to have challenges. But if you have mutual respect and you want to work towards this by, you know, committing yourself to nurturing your emotional bond, then you can have a lasting and fulfilling connection with your, with your husband or your wife. And this is extremely, extremely important to do this, especially when you get a little bit into the marriage. So you've gone through the initial honeymoon phase and you might settle into like certain patterns and routines and 
sort of let go of some of these things and assume that they're not important but they will be important and they'll definitely affect you one way or the other in the long term if you start neglecting them one by one which is an easy thing to happen the next thing i'm going to talk about is how you can cultivate a healthy emotional relationship with your children and this is essential for their well-being and development as well as for your relationship with them and it's when you create a strong bond based on love based on trust based on communication and understanding so how can you do this how can you have a healthy emotional relationship with your children firstly unconditionally love them okay sometimes i get parents coming to me and you know these are especially parents of teens when they've had major major issues that have gone on in their lives and one thing i'll say is always show them that you are still there for them do not break that connection that unconditional love for them okay regardless of what has happened let them know that you are there for them for not breaking that tie okay you never know things will hopefully change and they'll come back to you so that's unconditionally loving them spending quality time with them so it doesn't mean just like sort of singling them out one one on one but even just taking part in activities that allow for interactions to happen so playing games with them reading with them just sitting down and having chat with them the most important one i would say that i often tell people to practice is um just having dinner together because we do live in a very very busy time where especially if you're sort of in western society you might go out um might be work going on come home children have gone to school they've come back come home you get busy cooking and then people might eat at different times so try and make at least one meal in the day because it might not be breakfast and that might not be the best time um if you're rushing around um but do find one meal time usually the evening i would say unless it's like the weekend and you can do it in the mornings or at any time whatever suits your lifestyle and your family but make that time where you're sitting together with the children without any gadgets and just talking to them so again what i said about what you would do with husband and wife active listening um ask open ended questions ask them what they did in that day at school do you know what they did is there anything that they're worried about and chances are if you ask them on the day like on a day to day basis they're more likely to tell you once they see that you're not listening or you're not interested or you know you haven't asked in the first couple of days then chances are they'll not open up or even tell you about certain things so try and make time for that every day empathy empathize with the emotions even if you don't agree with them especially when they're going through hormonal changes and they might lash out and be unusually angry or upset or you know you know children go through a range of emotions and might be having a tantrum validate their feelings and let them know that actually i do know what you're going through and i can see that you're upset and i can see that you're angry use these words so they know that you're empathizing with them okay it means that they will then feel supported and valued have consistency in your interactions with them they should know what to expect from you in terms of rules and boundaries and consequences this creates a sense of security with children and i always say this like if you if you if your children don't know what the boundaries are don't expect them to adhere to those boundaries and check their understanding if you've asked them to do something i said this in my parenting workshop last week once you've given a child a task to do or there's something that you expect of them in their language when I, when i say their language i mean if they're younger and you need to simplify the language ask them if they've understood 
by telling them to repeat it back to you what you ask them to do or what you expect of them and see if they repeat it back to you and that way you will know if they've even understood what you've asked of them and if they know what the boundaries are and if they know what the consequences are there's no point in just throwing consequences when some they've done something they're not supposed to when they didn't even know what those consequences would be beforehand so for example i'm talking about confiscating something from them if something's happened did they know that you were going to do that beforehand is that something that you agreed that you were going to do so they should know this so be consistent and and most importantly in all of this if you've said you're going to carry something out as a consequence make sure you do don't just pretend you're going to do it otherwise then don't say it then it'll just create mistrust because they know that you're just talking and you're not going to really do anything another one is respect that is so so important for emotional well-being treat your children with respect so when i say respect respect boundaries respect opinions if you respect them they'll respect you as well positive reinforcement so um, encouraging them encouraging them if they're trying you know no matter the results encouraging means that you're boosting their self-esteem this reinforces emotional connection with them teach your children emotional intelligence i've said how important it is to have emotional intelligence you know to be able to regulate manage recognize your emotions so encourage them to express how they're feeling especially when they're quite little and they might not know how to say when they're feeling sad or angry or overwhelmed or upset and discuss strategies for how you can handle difficult emotions and this is especially too, if true for children who have special needs and they've got that added level of complexity where they might find it challenging to regulate certain emotions or regulate certain behaviors so that's quite important to be able to do that another one is conflict resolution Teach your children healthy ways to resolve conflicts and disagreements, okay? Things like problem-solving skills, and especially when you've got siblings at home. You know, and you, sometimes I have parents saying they're fighting, they're screaming at each other, they've, they've started physically hitting each other. Try and model effective communication. Try and sit them down. Try and find out at the bottom of it what is the problem that's going on. Tell them to speak, express what's going on, how are they feeling, how can they manage the situation respectfully, especially if they're older and they've got the understanding to be able to do that. Screaming and shouting isn't going to work in this situation, believe me. Okay, setting realistic expectations. Avoid placing excessive pressure or unrealistic expectation on your children. I can't emphasize this one enough for emotional well-being. See a lot of parents who want the best for their children, so they will have a certain expectation say for example academically they'll want them to go to certain schools and get certain results and go and pursue certain degrees when it's unrealistic for that child maybe you're comparing them to their brothers and sisters who are different in their academic ability or to cousins or to relatives or maybe you just have a certain dream for them but if instead, if you can encourage them to pursue their interests and passions at their own pace, which are based on their ability, on their interests, okay? Sometimes you have to have these difficult conversations. And I've, I've seen a number of times parents who have pushed and pushed and pushed the children to do something which you can see that child struggling. And it is heartbreaking to see that because, and often they won't do it maliciously. It's because they'll want the best for their child, as any parents would. But sometimes think about whether that's unrealistic for that particular child. Okay. And don't be afraid if you as the parent know that it's not in their best interest. But then sometimes parents say to me, oh, but the wider family would be horrified. Or I've got family pressure. And all I say to them, your 
yes, get family advice if you respect, you know, family members' advice and you and you want advice. But at the end of the day, you're the parent and you do know what's best for them and you know them really well. And if you can see on a day-to-day -day basis in front of your own eyes they're struggling or they're not coping or they're not going to be able to go down a certain career path, then it's your job as a parent to act in their best interest, regardless if that got, might go against the norm or against what other people's expectations of them are. Another one is encouraging children to be independent. And I, I this is something else that I teach in the parenting workshops. Encourage child to be independent and make their own decisions. Give them age-appropriate responsibilities and opportunities to make choices. And choices means make mistakes as well. You know, as long as it's not going to harm them, allow them to make their mistakes so they can learn from the mistakes. You're not going to always be there for them. You're not going to always be doing things for them. Let them do a little bit themselves because then how else would they learn life skills? And that's one of the things in certain countries, you know, you, you send them to school, they come back and they learn all this academic, but they don't actually learn any real life skills and how to manage and handle things in real life situations like you know, things like cooking, things like doing chores for themselves, things like managing money. That Sometimes they don't even handle any money these days, do they? Okay, apologizing and forgiving. It's important to model humility and forgiveness in your relationship. So if you make a mistake, you apologize. If they make a mistake, they have to apologize and encourage forgiveness and reconciliation. Support their interests, show interest in your child's hobbies and activities, you know, if there's something that they're engaged in, attend it and um, encourage them and celebrate their achievements and their milestones as well. And remember that just like building an emotional relationship with your husband or wife, building one with the children is also an ongoing process. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's a journey. Parenting itself is a journey. As Muslims, from an Islamic perspective, Islam does place a strong emphasis on emotional and mental well-being, okay, as well as your physical health. We have the concept of tawakkul, of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We trust in Allah, even and especially when we're going through difficult times. And this trust in itself should provide emotional support and reduce your anxiety, knowing that you're just a tiny little being in this huge universe. Overall, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the owner, is the in power of everything in the whole universe, okay? We are also encouraged to exercise sabr or patience. So when things are going difficult, especially emotionally difficult situations, have sabr, have patience. And it's really hard to have patience when things are going hard. It's easier to have it when things are going easy and I don't really think about it but that's one of the characteristics of being a good Muslim. Being full of gratitude, this is essential as, as a practicing Muslim that you are full of sugar, you are thankful for everything that you've got and I always always say look at those beneath you when you think of you know when things are going emotionally difficult look at those people who are not in the same position as you and have less than you or who are suffering more than you everybody suffers to some extent but if you look at people who are worse off than you it might put into perspective your own problems okay we also have this amazing amazing tool which is dua the power of supplication okay and engaging in prayer you have your regular five times prayer but then you have specific prayers as well and you can always pray in the last part of the night right we're encouraged to and prayer is something you can do in private nobody else sees it 
You can pray when you're thankful for something. You can pray when something's really stressing you out. Speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and pray and, you know, connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially during times of distress. This should give you emotional comfort, okay? This should help you regulate your emotions. Maybe you won't see the result straight away or the result you want, but if you have this tawakkal in Allah, as I mentioned, you'll feel good because you've you've turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, of course, get support from your community, if you, if, especially if you've got an Islamic community around you and you have social support in order to have emotional well-being. Sometimes you just need to speak to other like-minded people who understand you who can pray for you and who can offer you guidance and advice another one is forgiveness islam teaches the importance of forgiving others and seeking forgiveness from allah let go of grudges and forgive this will have a positive impact on your emotional health by reducing negative emotions sometimes something bad happens and you just hold on to that thought and i would say this is especially true of women and you just can't forget forget never mind forgive you should try and do both. Even if you can't forget, forgive. Be the bigger person. Because if you don't, this will eat you up from inside and you'll forever be thinking about it and processing it and holding on to those negative thoughts. And it'll start having an impact on your life, but for what? So try and do this. So Islam encourages the pursuit of knowledge and understanding. If you learn, you are equipped with the knowledge and you'll know how to respond in certain situations if you learn about Islam. The, and, and the world and what Islam teaches about different things and this could lead to greater emotional and mental well-being because then you'll know there you know what what's available to you in terms of help and how you should be coping and how you should be thinking and there's a lot of advice out there these days especially when bad things happen you know there's a, so much free advice on the internet everybody's an expert but if you know you're going to a person that you trust and has sound knowledge, then you'll know that the actions you take will be reflective of your beliefs. And finally, balance and moderation. So as Muslims, you know, we shouldn't place excessive stress and anxiety on ourselves. This is counterproductive and detrimental to our health, especially when it comes to matters of emotional and mental health we should not engage in extreme emotions or behaviors this is discouraged generally you know if you can control it and also you should seek professional help whenever something is bothering you and mental health is the same okay so if you need to seek therapy or counseling then go out and do that as a responsible person inshallah or if you can see somebody suffering and they're not engaging um you know, then they're not accessing the support that they need. Try and gently encourage them to do so. I hope this reminder has been useful to you, inshallah. And I pray that you all have good emotional well-being with everybody in your life. Or we can do our best to make sure that we are emotionally well, inshallah. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.